Let's take our seats and uh, yeah, it's great to be back. As I was saying a little earlier, um, I had a week off uh, after Easter, seemed like a, a good time to, to have a little break uh, and um, um, among the things that I did that week was uh, it had decided uh, quite a while beforehand to have a personal retreat, uh, which uh, uh, means that I went away on my own, normally like uh, travelling with Jude, she's much more fun than me, uh, but uh, it was on my own this time. It was for a purpose, uh, to really spend time with the Lord and just to, to be strengthened, but also to have a time of listening and of prayer as well. And I went to the um, uh, Seven Hill Retreat Centre, which some of you would be aware of the little town of Seven Hill, uh, just... Um, a few miles uh, south of Clare, beautiful place. And uh, the site of um, uh, the Ignatian Centre for Spirituality, I think they call it, ICS. And uh, it's uh, been the home of the Jesuits now for 160 years. Incredible story as you move around the area of the mainly Polish migrants that settled in the area to escape religious persecution in the mid uh, 19th century and uh, uh, basically when they got there said we need a priest <laughs> so one got sent from Poland and what then formed in that area was uh, what is known as the Society for Jesus or Society of Jesus or the Jesuits and it's an amazing church when you first come onto the property I don't know if you've been to Seven Hill or the, the place but it's it's one of the biggest churches you'll ever see outside of the metropolitan area it's it's enormous and it looms over the property You've then got the retreat centre. And of course, uh, if you're in the Clare Valley, you may as well have a winery. Uh, so the Seven Hill Winery has made sacramental wine for the Catholic Church, I think for all of Australia, uh, for at least part of their time, for a long time. And until last year, a brother was the winemaker. So the last brother to make wine there retired last year. A young woman's taken over, uh, who by definition uh, can't be a... a a brother, uh, <laughs> got rules about these things. Uh, but certainly if you're a woman, you can go and retreat there. There's no problems with that. Problem is that a lot of people there, uh, you're not on your own, although you're in your own room, uh, but there are other people there. And many of them are on silent retreats. They go there and don't say anything for, you know, sometimes a long time. And so you've got to be careful about who you say hello to because I'm walking through the place. I'm not, I wasn't being silent. It's hard for me to do that. Uh, I was there to pray so I'm saying hello, and some people are just hurrying past me and walking past. I'm thinking, whoops, I don't want to cause you to break your vow. I might be, might be cursed. But anyway, it was a very interesting time. So just reading all the literature and um, uh, just uh, praying. Did put my phone in the drawer and switched it off for two and a half days. Nearly killed me. Realised how much I look at it, which is interesting. And, um, and had a time of prayer and fasting and, and just being in the presence of God. And it, was, it was really good. And it was interesting going beforehand, you know, thinking about well, what, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're just going to sit there, what are you, you, know, you, you going to read? What are you going to digest, if you like, spiritually? And um, went to Kurong, had a, was bought the, the book, the Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, very interesting ancient text. And, but as I was moving around Kurong, I just thought, oh, I think God's actually wanting me to look around a bit here and just get, get access to some stuff to take with me. And uh, one of the books that um, 
uh, caught my eye, which I picked up and took, took with me, it was called The Secret of Guidance. And it's part of a series by Moody Publishers, which they call Christian Classics. And they've done the series to basically be able to say to believers, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should read these books. Like these books have been around for hundreds of years. They're, they're tested and, and proven to be gems in Christian ministry and life. And, and this one by F.B. Meyer uh, was uh, one of them. You can put that up on the screen, Dave, um, in the PowerPoint. And uh, we can take a look at that. So... Um, I was saying to Kathy, Kathy leads the worship, does such a great job, and, and she's often ringing me and texting me and saying, Dave, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling this week? What's going? And sometimes I'm saying, Kathy, it's Wednesday. I'm like, I've got a whole life to live before Sunday comes. I don't know anything. Um, very unspiritual responses. But it's interesting because when she prompts me, I think, yeah, all right, okay, I better get my head around this. And sometimes we've set a series. Sometimes we've said, you know, as a church, we need to focus here. And sometimes I'll go to the Lord in prayer and I'll say, Lord, what would you like to say, you know, to the Hills Christian Family Centre this week? You know, here we go. We've got a message. What, what would you like to hear? And sometimes the Lord will come back to me and he'll say, well, what have I been saying to you? What have, what have I been speaking to you about? And, you know, he's saying to me, share what I've revealed to you with the church. Uh, and, and do that. So that, this was one of those weeks where I really felt um, led to this text that I want to share with you this morning and uh, really felt that uh, it was going to bless people as we talked about the way that God guides. And it's in the larger context. We, we set down this time as a team that we wanted to talk as a church about moving forward and, and what that direction might look like. And some of the things that we've set ourselves, we've talked about um, the Alpha Marriage course, which is happening in term two. Judy and I went to Alpha training uh, at Seeds Uniting on Monday night, and we're planning to host that course in term three, possibly at our home, but somewhere, not sure yet, and uh, looking forward to you as a church inviting people to that course that we're going to uh, take, we're going to lead. So there are a couple of things that we've set ourselves to do in the next couple of weeks. But wanting to also offer you the opportunity as individuals, I guess, to reflect on how does God guide and, and how is he leading me at the moment? What What is he saying to me at the moment? And how does he direct our steps? And as you might imagine, there's been many... Um, attempts to talk about how God guides and sometimes for us as Christians it can be a bit elusive you know sometimes we're sort of thinking I'm not sure if I'm on the right track or am I going the right way and you know for some people it become can become a great frustration the, the sense of not knowing how God is guiding or what he's doing and I think sometimes we do overcook that a little bit in that when you think about what's in scripture there's enormous resources for how God wants you to live your life. I mean, we're not short on an idea when it comes to the Bible. The greatest selling book of all time, the most influential text and piece of literature ever, it's in our hands and it's right there. So, you know, there's a lot to go with to start with. But within that and within our experience at times, as we know, there are many ways that we can express the will of God in our life and how he might direct. 
So I want to spend uh, some time this morning thinking about that and I want to begin um, with an encouragement. Wherever you might be stationed at the moment, I want to begin, you with, begin with an encouragement because the Bible is an amazing living book. It, it's incredible. I read to you from Isaiah 54, the, the way that God speaks over his people and the promises that he makes are incredible. And within the Bible and the scripture are these incredible promises in relation to guidance, in relation to direction, in relation to the way that you are going through life. Incredible promises. Here's just a couple of them in front of you. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. What a beautiful image. Instruction, teaching, counselling and the eye of God upon us. When we say yes to Jesus... As we all know, it's, it's, it's a relationship. It's a living relationship that God initiates and then inexplicably comes to live within us. And one of the things they encourage you as you are excuse me, retreating with St Ignatius, or Jesus I should say, I was being a bit silly there, um, is the fact that you are to observe and express the fact that God is alive on the inside of you. So this idea that you know, we're, we're without resources is, is not wrong. It's unscriptural. God is alive on the inside of us. So he can make a promise like Psalm 32, 8, and it can be true. It's, it's real. He's there with us. Proverbs 3, verse 6 uh, a text that many of you know says, all of your ways to submit to him and he will make your path straight. Depending on how long you've been around on earth, I've now reached the ripe old age of 51. And, and you look back, I look back to my conversion when I was 17, just leaving high school and starting out in the world of journalism and saying yes to Jesus and All the opportunities, all the moments, the moments when you might have drifted off, the moments when God's brought you back, that wonderful promise that as you seek after him, as you submit your ways to him in prayer or in your will or or whatever, that God then, you know, gives direction, makes your path straight, sets you on the right way. And at times that comes at a cost, at times that it can cause pain and difficulty, But as you move on in life and look back, you think, I'm giving thanks for a path straightener. I'm giving thanks for someone who set me on the right way. So Psalm 32, 8, Proverbs 3, verse 6. Uh, Psalm 58, 11 uh, is is much simpler. (laughs) The Lord will guide you always. I mean, you can't squeeze out of that. It's just a straight out promise. Don't you love the simple ones? So, so none of us can say, oh, well, no, you know, God's taken leave. He's working on the, you know, he's in the Middle East. He's busy there with what's going on. Uh, you know, he, he'll get back to me in a couple of years. You know, um, he's, uh, I've done this. Uh, you know, I've stepped out of the will of God. None of us can, can hold that before God and say, you know, we're disqualified from your guidance because the Lord promises to walk with us always to guide us in all situations. 
And then to bring the promises of God in relation to guidance, there are many more there to an end, if you like. We have the words of Jesus uh, when he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Jim shared a fantastic uh, interpretation about, you know, the light versus the darkness, that Jesus being the light and our encouragement for us to look towards the light of Jesus. And Jesus simply says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. They keep saying this never, this always. I mean, I'd leave some wiggle room if I was making promises, just in case it didn't come off. But, but God never speaks like that. Jesus never speaks like that. This never always, it's, it's in there all the time. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Is there anybody here not interested in the light of life? I mean, is there anyone here who would just say, look, I've had enough of that, <laughs> or I'm not sure what it is. We all want the light of life. We all want to, to walk in a good way and to go in the right direction. So Jesus puts, um, if you like, a condition on it when he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we as a church would always say, if anyone walked in here today and said, What's the next thing I have to do? We, the starting point we would always say is, do you follow Jesus? That's, we, we can't say, oh, well, we'll worry about that later, but what else are you doing with your life? That's, that, we'd never start the conversation. That's the starting point. Do you follow Jesus? Have you been born again? Is the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of you? Are you submitted to him? Have you submitted your ways to God, because having done that, you release into your life the light of the world, the light of life, the ability to follow after, to, to be guided, to be directed with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You step into the will of God and his goodness and graciousness and mercy and ministry that he is outworking in this world. Who doesn't want to be there? So even though we might think, well, I'm not sure if I've heard from the Lord for a while or I don't know, whatever. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you're following on his path, you are being guided. You are on the path. You're being directed. And at times we're not sure. At times we can't see. We're unsure. But by faith we believe that we're being directed by the power of the Holy Spirit within us and that God is guiding us on the way. So the promises of God are unmistakable when it comes to the secret of guidance. Second thing I want to say before we talk about some practicals are that the promises of God are unconditional. Now, I've probably selected what you might consider to be, well, the first scripture is an unusual one to put up there. And, I mean, if you're ever feeling a bit bored, just read the book of Isaiah. <laughs> He's got some crazy stuff in there. 66 chapters will take you a while. But this amazing man who God spoke through. And on this occasion, God is rebuking his people because um, he's, he's you know, questioning their ability to discern him and, and, to, and to hear from him. And he says, who, who is blind but my servant and deaf like the messenger I send? 
Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord? And he's rebuking them. And the covenant that existed at that time is different from the one that we experience today with the Holy Spirit within us. But the point, the reason why I'm putting that there is that God is merciful to us. That even at times when we don't listen like we ought, when we don't see what we should, you know, when we, when in our weakness we sin or we head off here or we prioritise that or we do whatever, God's aware of our fallibility. God knows our weaknesses. The scripture says that he made us and is aware that we come from dust. You know, it means he knows that we're frail. But even so, then we read on in Isaiah chapter 40, uh, this promise that he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs into his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So the picture that is trying to be left with us and I want you to get today is that God knows that we struggle with following. Because sometimes, you know, if we talk about guidance, you're going to say, well, you ought to see what I did back here. <laughs> you ought to, I mean, you know, I'm so off, far off the path. You know, I left it 20 years ago. I don't know where I'm going. And we, we want to point to past failures and we want to say, you know, well, I think I'm disqualified from that, Dave. I might go and have a coffee. I might go and check the generator. You know, I'm, I'm, I've just, I've lost. I've left it. But God's aware of our struggles. He knows the false steps that we make. And then he gives us this picture where, you know, those tender lambs, the young, he gently leads. Jesus said, you know, take my yoke for my burden is easier. My yoke is light. You know, there's this sense of walking with him there. He understands our frailties. So I want everyone here to be encouraged today. No one, you know, is disqualified from the guidance of God. God understands our weaknesses and he walks with us still uh, in that way. So be encouraged by that, church. Now, okay, so let's, let's say you, yep, this is great, Pastor. I, God guides us. I'm very excited by that. He, he's merciful to us and forgives us. That's really encouraging because I think I might have made a few blues so maybe then you're saying, okay, I'm open now to the God guiding bit. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes to Jesus. That's the starting point. You've made that clear. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm saying yes to him. I've been born again. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of me. Um, you know, how might I walk in the ways of God now that I'm here? And the first thing, there are many things we could say about this. We can't cover them all today. But we do want to first talk about our motives being pure when it comes to considering an option or, you know, engaging in a pathway. Luke 11, Jesus said, your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. So he's starting off giving a, a physical example. So obviously we see through our eyes. I guess you're up to date with that. And when they work and they're healthy... You know, we experience light. We're full of the light of the world, as it were. Um, but when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. So your ability to perceive is gone when they're unhealthy. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full as light as when a lamp shines its light on you. 
So what Jesus is saying is that if our motive, if our goal in life, if we, if we, if, if we assess opportunities and moments in terms of following Jesus in relation to uh, how they benefit us or, or how they help us, if our motives are not the will of God and serving him first and foremost, then our ability to be guided is affected. So if we truly want to walk in the way that God has laid out for us, our motives must be him and his mission and ministry and walking in his way. Because Jesus is saying in this teaching that, that if, if that is darkened within us, if that's not settled within us, then that ability to walk after him is affected. So when it comes to being guided and walking in his ways, our motives must be pure. If you're sitting back with your life and saying, OK, I'm going to make the assessment of what's before me based on what I think is best for me or what I would like to do, and there's no consideration for, firstly, the mission and ministry of Jesus, secondly, the health of his church, and thirdly, the lives of others, <laughs> then the order's wrong. You're in trouble when it comes to being guided and to being led because Jesus is walking to the cross, did you know? Uh, Jesus is walking on the path of, uh, you know, uh, sacrifice. Jesus is walking on the door, through the doorway of servanthood. So Jesus came to earth not to be served, but to serve others. So in any situation, when you're looking at the, the what's before you, if, you, if you're thinking, well, that's going to do this for me, then you're in, a, you're in the wrong frame to make an assessment of whether you should respond to it. But if you're thinking about that's going to help me do the will of God in this way, that's going to help me to help others in this way, that's going to help me to serve him in this way, then your motive is pure, your, your priorities are right and you're able to respond to the step forward in the right way. So our motives have got to be checked first. That's, the, that's what's driving us because otherwise things get assessed in lots of different ways and we don't always end up making the right decision or walking in the right way. Secondly, our will must be surrendered. Now this is obviously similar to what we've just said but it's slightly different uh, where uh, we commit to the ways of Jesus and the path that he is on. It says in John chapter 5, this is Jesus speaking, my judgment is just. Now that's a bold claim and we might think, oh, well, yeah, we're well, the son of God, I guess it's got to be all right. But he made, he explained why it was just because he's, he seeks not to please myself, but him who sent me, his heavenly father. So, so when you're presented with a judgment or a decision, whatever, Jesus is saying, I can, I can claim that my judgment is just, I can claim that my decision-making process is right because my priority is to please God. That, that I'm not here to get something out of you to benefit me, says Jesus. I'm here to do his will and to please him. So I'm able to reflect and say, that's not of God, that is of God. 
when the rich young man comes to him and says, what must I do to be saved? Jesus doesn't say, give me 30 pieces of silver and I'll pray for you. But says, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor because it's a roadblock between you and your heavenly father now. Jesus is able to pronounce a just judgment, not think about, well, we, if we get him on the team, we could really eat, well, this guy look after us, we could even get a chariot. He's not thinking like that. He, he sees what is needed in this young man's heart and he makes a just judgment. And when our motives are pure, our will is submitted, it's not only on behalf of others, but we're able to say, that's actually all about me. But this is all about others. This is about the will of God. We're able to discern that within us. John chapter 7, Jesus speaking again, says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out. Now, I, I, the rest of the brackets are mine. Okay, and he goes on to say whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And this was a, a huge thing to me as a young man growing up, uh, starting to go to church for the first time when I was, I think, 15. You know, they're talking about becoming Christian and making a decision to follow Jesus. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that sounds pretty big. And, you know, I think I need a job. And, you know, how's that all going to work? And so it seemed like there were so many decisions to be made. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I sitting here in church supposed to know if what you're saying is true? <laughs> you know, like, like, this, you know, it sounded good, but it's like, I'm going to commit my whole life to this. And verses like this really encourage me because Jesus was saying, if you really want to do the will of the one who gave you life, you will be able to test and see that my teaching uh, comes from God or whether I'm just doing my own thing. He was that confident of his relationship with God and his teaching that he said, the spirit of God effectively will confirm what I'm saying to you. And by God's grace, I can say that proved true. I was convinced. I said yes, and I still do say yes today. And... Uh, that I'm delighted that it's true. Matthew 6.33 was my first life verse um, uh, where you commit your way to him uh, and that he then adds things to you. The priority is seeking first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness of saying, I want what God wants. I want God first. That's where I'm going. And then God promises to add things to you as you go forward. You're stressed about a wife or a husband, you need a job, you're not sure, whatever. But if your priority is God, then these things get added. And the reason I put the brackets there was because anyone who chooses the will of God will find out, will know, will get the knowledge. Again, it's a promise of God. There's a word will, never, always will. There's always these words that there's no wiggle room. So you're saying to me, how do I know I'm saying to you, determine to do the will of God. Settle that matter in your heart. Just say, whatever happens, I'm going to do the will of God. Jesus says, you will know, you'll get the information, you'll 
become convinced and understand what that looks like for you. So that's the starting point. But if it's, well, let me find out what the will of God is first and then I'll have a think about it, well, it's not going to work. Because then your motives are really, I'll, I'll sort out, thank you very much, how this suits me, and then we'll think about the following thinking, willing, will of God thing. And we're not surrendered, we're not submitted, and our motives are wrong. So we've got to get that sorted out first. So that's been the first uh, instruction. Secondly, this wonderful promise when it comes to guidance that um, is just wonderful to, to, to hold on to. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Whenever I think of that scripture, I think of the Amy Grant song. Does anyone remember Amy Grant here? Raise your hand if you listened to Amy Grant music when it came out. All right, there's a few there. How's it go? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can I help next week? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> now, come on, Terry. Terry and I could do a duet. Thy word. You must go and see the movie I Can Only Imagine. Who has seen the movie I Can Only Imagine? Fantastic. The story of how that song was written. And Amy Grant is in the movie. It's not her, but uh, she didn't sing that song. But when she, you know, anyway, it's a long story. But it made me think of when we were young, Judy, and in the youth group together, buying cassettes <laughs> and listening to Thy Word. But isn't it, that sticks in your mind, that verse and that song. Because it's a wonderful promise. The word of God, you know, we're bankrupt, we're short of ideas, well, have you read it? Are you looking at it? What's it saying? You know, when, when people give us a scripture, that the promise of God, you know, it's, it's man, we want to be guided. Well, are you a student of the word of God? Do you know what God has said? There are so many situations covered in the scriptures that are spoken about that give us all the resources that we need for saying, is this of God or is it not? Is this about me or is this about God? Is this, you know, benefiting me or is it for the goodness of others as I flow through that? Friends, the word of God is our guide and it, it varies. We're Pentecostals. We believe that God speaks. He speaks over us as a church as he did this morning prophetically or he speaks in prophetic prayer over us. That's part of the word of God. But of course, the scriptures are the backbone of that. None of that ministry would ever contradict what's in there and neither should my preaching or anything else. So the word of God uh, is a wonderful gift and really to not read it and then to be over here saying, oh, I don't know what to do. I mean, that's just not going to do. I mean, if you come and talk and you say, well, no, I don't really read the Bible. Well, hang on. You know, <laughs> you, we've got to be in the word of God if we're serious about doing the will of God and, and finding after him. So we've got to connect with that. And you know, you guys know that we've got a reading plan. We're going through the book of Luke at the moment and uh, it's available online and uh, through an app and you can do it the old way with a reading plan and the Bible. So I really encourage you to connect with the word of God. There are so many times when I've just been doing the readings 
And God's saying, I'm glad you're doing that, David, because here on this day, you're going to get your answer. Here on this day, I'm going to speak through my word and that thing that's been vexing you and perplexing you is going to be broken in your life. I've told you the story about the time I read Romans chapter 8 and the word rescue, the Holy Spirit grabbed it. You know, who will save a wretched man? Well, thanks be to God who rescues us through Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit's going, rescue, rescue, I am a God of rescue. Stop being anxious. Stop being afraid. I am the master rescuer. And I've never forgotten it. A little devotional reading. Rescue. Lord, help. Good choice. Great prayer because I rescue. I'm the God of rescue. I've been doing it for years. And just one little word out of this. Sets your direction. You never forget it. You pray it again and again and again. So how can we say, oh man, I don't need a bit of help. <laughs> Get in there. Because it's, it's, the pages are full of it. So I really encourage you with the word of God. The promise is right from Psalm 119. We must engage. Uh, what, what do we say? We must seek the word of God and our will must be surrendered and our motives must be pure. We must pray for guidance. And, you know, that probably seems like a bit of an obvious one, but sometimes, you know, we're saying, I need help, I don't know where to go, I'm a bit unsure. And we're, then the, have you read the Bible? And the second word is, have you prayed about it? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, oh, Lord, can you give me a bit? But, you know, prayer where we come apart uh, dare I say it, we do a retreat and we turn the phone off and we don't eat. I mean, you don't have to do that, but obviously the plan was to pray when I wasn't eating. <laughs> it pretty much worked. It wasn't as nourishing. No, that's not true. Um, it was to my body, that was. Well, the winery is just across the grass and they've got a cheese platter with a glass of wine for 25 bucks. And I'm walking around, I'm going, oh, I've got to get out of here. This is going to kill me. <laughs> I was going to sit. I'm thinking, oh, Jude would love that. And oh, I better get out of here before I faint. <laughs> Psalm 27 says, Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. And James 1, chapter 5, is an incredible promise. If anyone lacks wisdom, anyone, there's one of those words again, you should ask God who gives generously to all, there's another one of those words, without finding fault, and it will be given you. Three emphatic words, verbs, anyone, all, will. No one can say, God will not lead me. No one can say that. The scripture says, go to him in prayer and be encouraged by, receive your wisdom, get your answer and set it past that time. So, uh, again, the promise of the straight path is there in Psalm 27 as well. So prayer, seeking the word of God, it's all part of the process. The other thing that we don't always like to be aware of is the aspect of waiting. And this is a real challenge for humans because we've got our own time schedule sometimes. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. 
It speaks to the end and will not prove false. It's reliable. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God does not leave loose ends. He does not leave you at a loose end. He will not leave us at a loose end. He ties things off. But if we can only offer up, well, it hasn't happened today, and then we go off in a hissy fit or we head off in another direction or as Saul did, given the command by the man of God, Prophet Samuel, wait for me to do the sacrifice. And the people are complaining and the enemies are getting stronger and Saul panics and does it himself and loses the kingship in one act. Friends, waiting upon God and his timing is a part of following him. And it's difficult at times to know but we have to be very honest with ourselves in terms of whether we have genuinely heard or whether God is calling on us to wait as we go through our journey with him. I want to finish today uh, with uh, this scripture, which I've got under the same heading, which is a, it's, it's a fantastic story. And Many of you are aware of the way that God guided his original people through the desert, pillar of cloud during the day, the pillar of fire um, during the evening, the night. And uh, it was a moment in time in salvation history when God expressed himself through a physical manifestation of his presence. He, he chose to be revealed to the people through fire and through cloud. And it gives this wonderful story of how the Israelites followed after him. It said, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. And whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. And at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed, over from, stayed only from evening till morning and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whether the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with the command through Moses. Now, the thing I find interesting about that passage is it's quite repetitive. But it's... It's written that way deliberately, I believe, because it's trying to imbibe in us as readers this wonderful picture of remaining in step with the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God is moving quickly. Sometimes things are happening fast. We, we've all sensed that at times. It's, it's, you know, going from one thing to another and we're, it's happening and sometimes things are seemingly not moving at all. 
that they're just there, that we're in this place without any instructions to move on. And it's a test sometimes because sometimes when God moves quickly, we're thinking like, I'd rather just sit still. Sometimes when God is in place for a long time, as it were, uh, we're uh, not moving, uh, we're wanting to get on with it. And it's important for us to remain in step with the Holy Spirit, as it tells us in the New Testament. We have been given all that we need to do the will of God. And he has promised us that as we seek to do his will, he will guide us and direct our steps. So I want to encourage you with the idea and with the thought that if we're ever feeling that we're a bit to the one side of the will of, the will of God, if we're struggling to perhaps be guided in decision, to go back to basics, to say, it is my desire to do the will of God, it is my desire to submit to him and to organise myself based on the priorities of him and others. I will read the word of God. I will pray and I will wait upon him. And friends, if you put these things in place, if you reflect on how God has spoken in his word, the promise of God is that you will be guided. And you might not be able to say, well, I heard this or I got that. But the promise of God is that you will be guided. And you can rest assured in that promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the goodness, grace and mercy that is evident today. As you have spoken to us through your word about your willingness and activeness in guiding our steps. And Lord, I'm sure as I look above uh, around the congregation today, I know there are people who maybe are struggling with the idea that you are guiding, who, who maybe are unsure of how you work in and through their lives and their circumstances. And Lord, I, I pray for those people firstly that they right now experience a great degree of reassurance, a great degree of peace. I really am asking, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit to them right now so that they can just rejoice in the truth of the fact that you gently lead those that are with young. You gently carry your children and your lambs. You direct the steps of those who are determined to do your will. You reveal yourself to them who are committed to following you. You are with the one that is wanting to serve and not be served. That you are with the one who is wanting to do your will and not their own. You're with the one who is surrendered and whose motives have been purified and is all about following after you. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have blessed this place. And Lord, I also want to pray for your leadership of us as a church community. Because Lord, we are a church that is wanting to do your will. We are a church that is wanting to serve your purposes. So we pray, Lord, that you would guide us and direct our steps as we contemplate options 
as we look at even location, as we consider where you might be guiding us, impress upon our hearts, not with cloud and fire, but with a unified spirit where you would lead us, we pray, Lord. For our Alpha courses that are coming up in Term 2 and Term 3, draw people to yourself that they might say yes to you in Jesus' name, that they might commit to you, Father, and for those who have yet to say yes to you, who wouldn't yet call themselves a follower of Jesus, I encourage you, them to say yes to you, to begin the journey, to settle this matter, to become your disciple, to be a Christian, to be a child of God and to experience the wonderful joy that comes with knowing and with receiving your love and your guidance, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, we've got time for um, some prayer ministry this morning. So I'd love our team to come out the front and for the prayer ministry team to get ready. And I did promise you earlier I'd tell you a little bit more about um, what happened this week with uh, the power for the school. (laughs) It's very interesting and I really saw the hand of God in it. Um, I got a phone call from the school on Friday saying, we, we need to let you know you will not have power this Sunday. <laughs> and I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> and anyway, a whole conversation followed that and uh, it got to the point where they said, oh, the rec centre won't have uh, the people next door. They won't have power on Saturday and uh, I think they've hired a generator to look after their power. They've apparently known about their lack of power for some time and we found out on Friday. But anyway, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, when you're a, a, a church leader and you get told that you're not going to have any power, <laughs> you start to think, well, what should we do? <laughs> um, because we couldn't sing or you know talk or be in darkness or this not going to work. So... Um, I rang the rec centre and they said, yeah, yeah, we've got a generator. It's sitting right between the PAC and the rec centre and an electrician's coming tomorrow morning to hook us up. So I rang the electrician and I said, do you think we might be able to use the generator? And he's going, oh, yeah, you know, maybe. So I said, all right, I'll come around and talk to you tomorrow. So we get, I get down here tomorrow, yesterday morning and there's the generator just sitting there. And I'm thinking, Lord, I think you delivered the generator and that you knew we were going to need the generator. And the electrician's looking at the rec centre, he's looking at the PAC, and he says, you know, I think the rec centre's not going to lose power because they're on a different grid. And I'm going, well, then, can you hook the generator up to the PAC and can we use it tomorrow morning? And he said, I guess. He said, we may as well use it, given it's there. And I started to try to tell the guy, you know, God's been working on this for a long time and he wasn't quite following me and... He's, you know, and then he's starting to say, I'm not sure if the cables are going to be long enough. And I, I wanted to say to him, I, should, I said, mate, that generator will be in exactly the right spot and the cables will reach into the PAC fine because this has been organised way before we even knew about it. They were long enough, but he did end up moving it because there was a bobcat operator doing something else. So he came and moved. I'm just thinking, Lord, I didn't even know I had this need which has been around for six weeks until Friday. You knew about it. You'd got someone else to organise the meeting of the need and you'd had 
the staff organised, and for all I know, someone else is going to pay for it. I don't know yet how that's going to work because we're the only one using it. We didn't even book it. And here we are with full light and power. And I, I, I can't, I can never get away from the move of God. I want to leave you with this. This is it. You've got needs that you don't even know about, some that you do, but God knew about a long, long time ago. Not only that, he's working on the solution and you don't even know about that. And he will reveal it to you when you need to know. But I didn't need to know six weeks ago. I didn't need to be stressed. And when I got told on Friday, I just thought, well, let's just go to the next step. Because God knows that we've got to meet this Sunday. God knows that we want to praise his name this Sunday. We're not cancelling. We're just finding out what's his provision. So I wanted to share that story with you when it came to guidance. Because sometimes we think, you know, gee, I've got to get an idea on this or maybe God's on leave. Or, But God knows what your needs are. God understands and sees the solution. He's got it ready. We need to trust and to wait. It'll be revealed to us at the right time because his timing is perfect and his ways are pure. Do you believe that this morning? Are you going to claim and accept that promise? We didn't know we even needed backup power this Sunday. God did. We didn't know where to get it. God did. He delivered it, got someone else to organise it, and here we are this morning praising the name of God. And this sermon happened because of the faithfulness and the provision of God. So I want to invite you all to stand to your feet. The team's going to lead us in a moment of worship. And if you're a person that needs prayer this morning, maybe it's a guidance issue, maybe it's a provision issue, maybe it's you know something to do with uh, seeking the will of God. Whatever it is this morning, I invite you to come forward, receive prayer, stand next to someone and allow them to speak over you the goodness and the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus.